The public betas for iOS and macOS are here. iPhone rumors. The camera bump lives. Will you be able to afford Apple's next laptop? And your hot takes. That's all in this episode of the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola. I'm here with Life Johnson and Jason Cross. Hello. Let's get started with the news. So there is a new iPhone rumor. I I hate to call it a rumor because it's really more based upon... If somebody's bored and they, they take it, yeah, <laughs> they're excited. I mean, that's what these things usually. I mean, they're based on rumors and leaks and stuff. But yeah, it's it's still you know imaginary. Yeah, this is this latest is essentially based on a case render from. Is it pronounced Elixir? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I that yeah. sounds it's, good. Yeah. It's not yeah. a case company that it's not like one of those top three case companies that everyone's heard of. Yeah, right. I've never heard of it. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. Olixar. Yeah, <laughs> Olixar, Olixar. A few months before the iPhone gets released, iPhone case makers start making molds and renders and stuff of what the future iPhone could be. I don't know what these renders are based off of. Do you guys have any idea? Are they based off of bit rumors or are they based off of actual designs at, that they're getting at this point it's probably rumors and just whatever contacts yes. in, in sort of manufacturing that they have but as it gets closer it gets based off of cad designs and stuff that and i think apple works with some of the case makers to say okay here's here's what you need to make a blank and it's not going to have all the little details of the parts in the cutouts and stuff but here's where the cutouts need to be here's how thick it needs to be all that other kind of stuff and they make a blank like a metal blank Mm-hmm. Uh, and that they can test their cases with and stuff. We're not at that point yet, though. Yeah, yeah. I think it's too early for that. But it's kind of like Jason was saying. You know, we get cases a lot right after a new phone comes out. And to give you an idea, they, I, I know Apple isn't even telling them the name of the phone because it'll say like 2019 iPhone, uh, you right. know, large yeah. version. Yeah, that's what it will say on the case. So even though they might actually have the specs from Apple, how much, you know, what it, what size it'll be, where the buttons will be, they don't. Uh, you know, they don't know some of that nitty-gritty detail. Yeah. This one, I think, is a, is a guess that's no better than yours or mine. I agree. So it's still going to have a camera bump. Every time I think Apple's going to decide they're not going to do a camera bump anymore, they, they do a camera bump. <laughs> so bigger. They're just making it bigger. They're going so, the opposite way. I, I don't understand why they just don't level out the bump and put more use that extra space to put more battery, but maybe that's right. not possible engineering-wise. I don't know. But it, They're obsessed with the thinness, but I just I think everybody I talk to is like, yeah, make a thicker phone with more battery and no bump. I, I don't even know how much how high that bump comes off of the phone. So it's, it's right. millimeters. Yeah. It's a small enough Half difference, a meter or something. Yeah, yeah, that people don't won't mind it, wouldn't mind it at all if that that was if it made the iPhone that much thicker. Now, see, I've said this before, but you know, I use a case on my iPhone, and it does the lens. And this is an Apple made case. You know, the lens does actually lie flat against the case. That's so true. There's that. So if it, mm-hmm. anything else would be thicker, and I don't want that. So I, I honestly think sometimes that they are actually designing these with the cases in mind because, like, this one lies flat against it. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that could be. So their render also included a mute slider. Yeah, that was interesting. Changing the switch from the little uh, front-back flip to an up-down slider. I was just going to say, I, I you know wrote that article defending the notch and stuff, but especially, like, the images that we use 
that that are used in here where it's like the beige color and stuff. I oh god, that square is so ugly. It's so you know, there's there's like a certain beauty to the current oval one, but this the pill shaped one. But that's uh, I mean, it, it's it really does look like somebody stuck. You know, like a tile on your uh, on your phone. <laughs> I think we won't care once it's been out for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, we, like we, I think we talked about this when the f- when the first sort of leaked images and stuff came out. That it's gonna make it seem like everyone will know you have an iPhone. That's that easily noticeable thing where it's gonna be uh, iPhone centric, and maybe that's ruined by the fact that the new pixels gonna have it too but nobody uses a pixel because they don't sell them anywhere like yeah. if samsung did the same thing then that would spoil the thing but yeah it's gonna be that's gonna be the iphone thing is that square bump so in september new iphone maybe also in september we'll see a new 16 inch macbook pro only problem is no one will be able to buy it <laughs> All right. uh, there is a new uh report that came out from uh, an analyst, uh, Jeff Lynn from IHS Market. It kind of echoed some of the things that Ming-Chi Kuo has been saying, but Lynn goes into the pricing that the entry model of this new 16-inch Uber MacBook Pro would be over $3,000. And unfortunately, that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me, no. It, it, One would have to wonder if they're doing some sort of, if it's going to be some sort of weird high core count, you know, like the equivalent of the Mac, Mac Pro or the iMac Pro, where it's like, oh, it's going to be like a 12 core Xeon or something. And there's some, they're doing something strange because it's really hard to justify that price unless you're doing like an OLED screen or something, which apparently they're not. Like now they're saying, no, that's not really the way they're going. So I don't know. I think the one thing about the laptop kind of goes along with the recent announcement of the Mac Pro is that Apple's announcing these really Mm high-end, expensive products, and they're not doing anything to address sort of the middle or even the low end, really. They have products in the lower-end consumer market, but they haven't been, like, you know, the Mac Mini hasn't been updated in a year, mm-hmm. you know, sure, okay, that's probably on a two-year cycle now. Still, it would be nice if those products got some attention somehow to kind uh, yeah. of offset all the uh, stuff that's been being said about these new high-end pro products. Yeah, the think, air got more expensive. Right. I think Apple's literal idea is that they want you to use an iPad if you're on that end. I mean, Right, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I hate that to say it, but I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> That could be, oh. yeah. And and it could be that they're going to try and justify this by making this a real, quote, a real pro thing, like the Mac Pro. Like we say that with the iPad and everything else and everything every other company does, they slap pro on just whatever's the high-end consumer thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not really saying, no, this is a thing for professionals. This is a thing your company buys. <laughs> Maybe this is one of those, or maybe this analyst is just totally wrong, and it's going to start. <laughs> That's true. At, the starting price will be eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah, you could configure it way high, but who knows? I just want it to have a good keyboard. <laughs> That's, all I, That's all I care about. That might be the selling point, but that might be the reason why it sells so much is because it has a new or new old keyboard. You know, right, you know, yes. like... some new design keyboard. 
the biggest thing that ticks me off about the whole keyboard discussion is when Apple, you know, announced a new MacBook Air and they were like, you know, this is the the laptop that everyone loves more than any of our other ones. And it was like, yeah, that's why they were kept buying it for all that time. It was because of the keyboard. How did how did you not get that anyway? Yeah, it had a good keyboard and the USB A port. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. People liked those features so much they were willing to give up retina displays for it. And, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, there hasn't been any other kind of specifics about it, you know. And like like Jason said, it better have a high number of of core processing mm-hmm. cores to differentiate itself from the MacBook Pro. So, yeah, the 15-inch Pro, yeah. right? To what you can get with that. Yeah. Or something some crazy storage something right. or uh, HDR yeah, HDR display, two touch bars. Don't give them any ideas. <laughs> but if you happen to own a MacBook, 15-inch MacBook Pro that was produced between September 2015 and February 2017, uh, you might want to check out a voluntary recall that <laughs> Apple announced uh, recently. It's possible the, the batteries in those laptops could overheat If you have one of those laptops, check Apple's website, see if it qualifies for the recall. Apple will fix it, replace the battery for free. Uh, I had heard from people who who jumped on this early that for the most part, you're going to have to send your laptop away for a couple of weeks. They're not doing in-store battery swaps. So that's... Yeah, Apple support document says the service could take up to... To two weeks that's, that's not a good thing right but it usually takes less but the point is you don't drop it off at the store and go back in a couple hours and pick it up like with your phone battery replacements that they do so much does apple give you a loaner in in, in the meantime i don't know if they do that i have no idea I, it's yeah. been so long since i've had to deal with that with a laptop yeah it doesn't say in the support document if you get a loaner don't let your battery blow up or catch fire right. on you or That's swell and, and destroy your laptop. Yeah, or... don't let that stop you from replacing the battery, you know. Yeah. Just plus you'll get a fresh new I mean these laptops now are a couple of years old and you'll get a fresh new new battery. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, so because your your battery will have lost some life, you'll get a new yeah. battery and that ex- you'll extend the life of your laptop a little more and hopefully by then Apple will have replaced the keyboard on the New MacBook Pro, and then when it's time for you to buy a new MacBook Pro, it'll have a nice keyboard. On Monday, Apple released the public betas for iOS 13, iPad OS 13, and Mac OS Catalina. Oh, and uh, TV OS. The public betas give users a chance to try out the new features, though it's not without risk. So, have you guys been trying out the betas? I've been trying out Catalina. Uh, iOS yeah. has a lot of crash. Oh, it's third party stuff. It's not the first party, but there's a lot of like Twitter in particular. I constantly have to shut that down and restart so it. So the one consensus, yeah. yeah, we should probably say this up front before people go, oh, public betas. I'm going to go install it. The one consensus I've been getting a lot, and a lot I've seen a lot on Twitter and Facebook, is that these public betas aren't as stable as previous be- public betas. Mm-hmm. That they're a little bit more buggy than usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first. Public beta is usually pretty rough, but this one is, they're the same builds as the developer beta two that's been out for a week or so. Yeah. And those, those are a little rough. I'm a little surprised 
that they said July for launch for this. I'm surprised they didn't do one more developer beta. Mm-hmm. You know, one more round of. They, I'm surprised they pushed out Dev Beta 2 as this public test because it's, it is kind of wonky. It's kind of crashy. There's some bugs. There's some car play issues. There's things that don't shortcuts has issues. So I wouldn't recommend most people install this one. Wait, wait for public Beta 2 or later. Yeah. Like here's a small one on Catalina. I, I work with two displays. And uh, I could not get to the – I actually reported this one. Could not get the uh, dynamic – wallpaper to work on my second display um like it did just fine with mojave so you know little things like that too which you know those are things that they might miss so i reported that yeah Yeah, if you do run these hit that feedback tool every time you find something and report it like even if you think oh surely they know about this it matters how many people report something right so definitely report everything you find yes apple has to perform some sort of priority and the more it people complain about a certain thing the higher that thing will get priority so and the more different sort of cash crash logs and stuff like that they get that helps them narrow down on what's the problem yeah so definitely report those things yeah take a minute yeah the feedback tool is great it makes it really easy i have not been running the ios 13 and ipad os 13 betas have you guys experienced bugginess with those betas as well it's it, I, I will say this isn't really talking about bugs, but when I use iOS, I can feel the difference. I'm on a new operating system. You know, I have Catalina installed too, and it's like I sometimes forget that I'm on the beta because you know the focus is right. largely on the apps. So, yeah. yeah. When you installed the betas, is there one particular feature that you went, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing"? So, <laughs> dark mode is that what it is? Dark mode. Dark mode dark is nice. the most obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. There, there's a ton of little things. The volume indicator. I mean, there's, yeah, the volume indicator is great. It's now itself out of the way, and you can drag it with your finger, mm-hmm. which is really helpful. You can drag scroll bars. Mm-hmm. I, I love this document scanner in iOS. I used it all the time, and I have things like my dog's vaccination records like scanned in, and that saved us already several <laughs> times when we forgot to bring them and stuff. You know, so things like oh, I can scan a document right to files. They can just go in my iCloud folder and I don't have to go to notes and open notes and make new note and then share sheet and save. Oh, I don't have to do any of that nonsense anymore. So yeah, there's there's just a ton of little things. Oh God, the option to mute calls from people who are not in your contacts list. Oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah, I'm one. really looking yeah. forward to that one. I like that. Yep. That's already yeah. seen some use. <laughs> it's kind of neat. It's actually a smart thing. It's not just your contacts. If uh-huh. It's any number that comes in that's not in your contacts or wasn't in a, an iMessage or your mail. So it's kind of using the Siri search to go, oh, this is a number that they've they've said before. But even if you haven't gotten a phone call or whatever, and it'll, yeah, anything else goes straight to voicemail. That's kind of a neat feature. What's great about this is they're not looking for, like, unknown caller. Because there's all that number spoofing now, right? So it can be an, a known number. But it's just a you know a spoofed number. It's not a number that you care to hear from. That'll go right to voicemail. Yeah, so that's great. One of the features I'm really looking forward to. For, it's kind of just a weird housekeeping feature. Is the automatically close tabs in Safari? Oh yeah. Because yeah. I don't know how many times I'll just be sitting there and like oh, I wonder how many tabs I open have opened in Safari, and it's like five or six dozen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It's so out of control. Yeah, so, so you can't see them like. 
on a um, on an iPad, you can see the tabs, but on your iPhone, they're, they're that sort of flipbook. And when you do that, like expose tab overview, you know, in order to see them on to close them, for some reason, it seems like it takes a long time. So, I mean, like it takes a while for it to register each one when you close it. And I was like, yeah. So sometimes I'll just shut the whole window and start over. Or, or do the little right-click shortcut where it's, you know, close other tabs. Uh, I like the feature where um, you can take your Memoji, which they've expanded all the Memoji and stuff. But when you make one uh, in messages or something, you can say, I want this to be my my face throughout all my Mac stuff. And that'll be mm. your icon on your contacts and on your your messages and stuff like that. And then when anybody else who is running iOS 13, that's the one that they'll see for you. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool because I've had, depending on where you are in the OS, I've had like f- three or four different pictures of myself <laughs> for, <laughs> right. for where I am and what I am. And now it's just my emoji and it's fine. <laughs> Jason, can you explain the optimized battery charging feature? Yeah, it's, it's a little confusing to explain but it's so what what they're doing is the os will watch when you charge and and how and then how long you use your phone uncharged and stuff it does that anyway right (laughs) like for the battery reporting and stuff like that it does it all on device what it's doing is it's saying if i don't need to charge past 80 percent, i won't so it's going oh um this you're plugged in i'm charging but you're only going to use your phone for another couple hours before you charge again, because I, I know that from your history. So I'm just going to stop at 80%. And then, or it'll say, oh, you're you're going to be unplugged for the next 12 hours. I'll go ahead and charge to 100%. And what that does is with lithium ion batteries, if, when you fully charge them all the way, that makes them degrade faster. So it's I just, see. it's just helping that longevity where maybe in like three years, Instead of your phone holding half the charge it normally does, it'll hold eighty percent of the charge it normally does. Like it's gonna, it's just you're just not gonna lose that max capacity mm. so fast when you keep going to eighty percent. You'll see a lot of the electric cars do this. Teslas do this by default, right? Your, the default setting is charge me to eighty percent, and if I'm going on a trip or something, I can boost it to a hundred. They're doing that to give the battery better longevity. So this is just sort of a built-in automatic. Stop at 80% if you don't have to go a full charge, which is cool. I think it's a cool feature, but it also feels like a feature I'm going to have to explain to a lot of people because I think a lot of people don't understand battery maintenance. Yeah, they've got a couple of um, sentences just below it trying to explain it. But I think a lot of people kind of won't get it. Like they'll have that on and they'll be and we're going to get help. Why won't my phone charge past 80%? Like, right. we're, we're going to have to do a help article once iOS 13 drops. <laughs> yeah. We have to explain how battery technology works and how batteries degrade over time and why right. and what causes that degradation. And it's kind of the. <laughs> yeah. So, the long story short is when you fully charge your battery, that makes it yeah. not last as yeah. long, uh, like yeah. over, over years, right? And that so they're not fully charging your battery if they don't need to. It, it remains to be seen because this is new how good that uh, intelligence is. Like, is it really? Is it? Nothing's going to be worse than your phone deciding 
I'll, I'll stop charging at 80% and that'll be good. And then yeah. you <laughs> run out of battery life because yeah, yeah. it was wrong. So it's probably very conservative about it. Yeah. So we'll be taking a look at the betas uh, and we'll be posting how-to articles and first lift and stuff like that on macworld.com. If you have questions, let us know. You can join the public beta program anytime, even when the, fi the uh, final products ship. So you, that means you get betas of the updates that come out. And we have information on how to join the public betas on our website. So now it's time for our two-minute tip. We have a quick tip that you can... Uh, use for your Apple device. Life has one for the new iOS 13. It's dark mode. Which, that's what everybody <laughs> wants to know, yes. It, that's the only reason why people want to upgrade, is because they want dark mode. It was just like it. Mojave last year, and now it's like, ooh. But I, I got to say, dark dark mode is really, uh, really cool. It, it's funny, there's some cases where you want to actually see it work. Like, if you attach the Apple Pencil to the Pro, uh, it still shows up as white, even when it's in dark mode. So, hopefully they fix that. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so here's how to turn it on. Um, you know, if you don't know what dark mode is, it's basically a way of changing most especially in Apple-based apps and stuff, from a white interface or white-ish to a dark one. And the, the text will invert and make it easier to read at night, won't cause as much eye strain. And uh, so, and like I said, it also looks pretty cool. <laughs> but And it, this will also work on iPad OS, which that distinction really annoys me, by the way. But uh, it's, it's, it makes it so inconvenient for writing about it. So the easiest way to do it is just through your control center. So, you know, if you're on an iPhone 10, 10s, you'll... Uh, you know, swipe up, swipe down diagonally from the upper right-hand corner, and then you will hold your hand down on the brightness indicator. That's the one with the sun. And in the lower left, you see something that says appearance light. You press that, and immediately it'll switch to appearance dark. Well, oh, you're in you're in dark mode, and uh, that's the easiest way to do it. And uh, you can also do it what I call the long way, even though it's not really longer. Uh, you go through the settings app. You go through, go through and press display and brightness, and at the top you'll see two configurations for light or dark, and press dark, and you're in dark mode. The nice thing about going through the settings apps is you also have a setting where you can change it to automatic, where it automatically flip over to uh, dark mode. So by default, it's set to, you know, light mode is set to activate at 7 a.m., and dark appearance is set to activate at 10 p.m., but you can set it to whenever. Uh, when you press it into dark mode, you'll see an option for automatic, and then you flip that switch, and then suddenly you'll get an options one. Um, like I said, you have the default one, and you can press custom and put whatever times that you want specifically, but honestly, I just keep mine on dark mode. That's it. That's my two-minute tip. Thanks, Life. Thank you. Uh, you can get the full instructions on how to activate dark mode in iOS 13 on our website. Life has an article with all the steps. Go check it out. Now it's time for your hot takes. We love hearing from you. Let us know what you're thinking via email at podcast at macworld.com. You can also contact us through Twitter. That's at Macworld or on the Macworld Facebook page. And here are a few comments that caught our eye this week. Uh, there was one comment from at Kurt Mac on Twitter in response to uh, Dan Morin's column about three products that Apple should get into, get should make. At Kurt Mac said that Apple should offer a much lower price display and re-enter the router world. He always has loved the Airport Extreme and Time Capsule. 
Uh, I think they will do a lower price display eventually. Eventually, what we'll, we'll see because of the the risk. The uh, it's sort of our response to the release of the Pro Display XDR, which is a, a gazillion dollars. Kind of related today, uh, there was a new spec released for DisplayPort two, and it was it announced that it's going to support sixteen K displays. Mm. I was just trying to imagine what a 16K yeah. display would look like. I'd just be like, holy crap. So something like that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's 80 yeah. gigabits a second or something. So more than HDMI 2.1, it'll do two 8K displays and stuff. It's not even really going to be done and start sh showing up in anything till the end of next year. So we've got, it'll be 2021 or later before it's in a Mac. If it's ever in a Mac, you know, we'll see. But definitely a 16K display is not considered a lower price display. So <laughs> that's the thing I was trying to, I guess to my point is what would be considered a lower price display nowadays? Is it? Yeah, I think the, the PC market has a bunch of 4K HDR displays uh, that are in the $1,000-ish range. And uh, I they're not necessarily gr all great. Sometimes the HDR is not effect isn't very strong. They're not very bright stuff. So maybe something a little higher quality than that, something that's like a fourteen ninety nine thing or something. I could see Apple doing. The problem is a lot of those affordable monitors. They they have they might have impressive performance, but they're and usually to get them down to that price, the actual shell and a stand feels very cheap. Like you're going to break the thing. So yeah. Apple would never do that. So yeah. that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. I kind of disagree about the, the router market, the part of the comment, uh, where it, it, the router market's already kind of disappeared. Like regular standalone routers are going away. Everyone gets one from their ISP now, from their cable or their DSL ISP, and that's kind of what people are using. Um, I, I'm, I have argued for a while that what, what Apple, I, I do miss that time capsule part of it. And I think there's a lot of value for that for like sort of on-site backup and stuff like that. So uh, I'd like to see them just make a drive, a network drive that has wireless or wired plug that you just plug in somewhere, anywhere in your home. Mm -hmm. And it gets on the Wi-Fi you already have or something. And, and it's your time machine backup and your files you want to store there and stuff like that without having to be the router part. Someone else on Twitter thought the HomePod could be a router slash time capsule and i kind of thought that that kind of feels like tacking on a feature to that particular product because that particular product is in a certain type of market yeah it, it, they need to change the design have some at least in some in and out ethernet and stuff on it to make it work and and then then you don't have the mesh all the way around it you know because you can't put it on the bottom it sits on the bottom so yeah they It'd be interesting if they did if they did a router that they made it like also a little HomePod, like not as powerful and big as your existing HomePod, but if instead of making the key feature that it's got a hard drive in there to do time machine backups, make the key feature that, oh, it's like a HomePod, you talk to it and it plays music. That'd be kind of an interesting take. We had some uh, responses to the 16-inch MacBook Pro rumor at Tuxkey on Twitter uh, said that his next computer is not going to be an Apple machine. Can't sim he can't justify the extreme high prices anymore. 
form over function and price over value. Uh, Jamie Cole on Facebook had a long message, but it basically starts with, what kind of insane person would buy an Apple laptop at the moment? I, I kind of said this earlier, Apple needs to pay some attention to these current products. I know they, the MacBook Air is relatively new. It's a, newish, it's a new product. Yeah. So, but there's, there's just something missing in terms of the showcase of those particular products. The most obvious thing they could have done with like the air or something that they, the opportunity they missed was to put face ID on it, to put the true depth module up on the top of the monitor and have a really, really awesome webcam for your, for your FaceTime, have Memoji and Animoji and stuff on your Mac and have, you know, face ID for all of your logging in the sites and all that other stuff. So like, it just seems like low-hanging fruit for Apple at this point to do at least something to get you excited about the Mac again. There have been rumors that Apple's going to produce an ARM-based low-end laptop. I mean, maybe that's what it is. Maybe Apple's just trying to produce this particular model as a kind of like consumer-level product that kind of re-energizes that line. And it's just not ready yet. Yeah, they're treading water on all these macbooks because like they're not going to invest a huge amount into designing a new macbook when it's the arm one that's getting all the great new attention so they're so they're just like all right we're going to keep these things relatively fresh but we're not going to invest in changing the game on the intel Macs. i mean that could be the end of jamie cole's statement the apple isn't delivering on its decades-long promise of expensive at long life laptops right now they're a poor return on investment what do you guys think of that uh, as someone who's using a 2014 macbook pro <laughs> but you know jamie cole is responding to more recent products than than what than what i'm using his complaints were about the um the keyboard the thermal problems they've had although that's been largely fixed with software problems and yeah they, I, I can't necessarily disagree with that but apple's yeah it's funny to see people dig up all the old apple ads about how it does more and costs less and that's and and that's really just not where apple is anymore and i don't know necessarily know that that's where it needs to be but they have a real opportunity with catalina bringing and and all the sort of i OS apps that'll kind of get transitioned over, you know, we'll see an app resurgence from the Catalyst technology over the coming year after Catalina's drops and everybody brings all these apps over from iOS. And I think that's their opportunity to really make a great value computer. It doesn't have to be a cheap computer, but a cheap computer that's a great value for the regular consumer and get them into a Mac laptop. Well, that just about does it for this week's episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 657. I'd like to thank Life Johnson and thanks to Jason Cross. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast via iTunes, SoundCloud, or on Spotify. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or contact us through Twitter. That's at Macworld on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us next week as we talk about the latest news and happenings in the world of Apple. See you next week.